Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we hear whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. <laughs> Okay, how are you guys? How have you been? We're, you know, it's been a week since we've been back. What have we been up to? What have we been doing? Who's we'll that back yet? No, Tuesday, don't remind me because I still haven't, oh God, I still haven't even prepared my syllabus because the class is now online, but it's the same class from last semester. So I don't know. I um, probably shouldn't be admitting this where it's going to be public, but I'm just not feeling it. I wanted to do something different, but whatever i'll get over it i'll put my big boy pants on and i'll get over it how about you guys what's 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 tea hmm. i don't know what kind of schedule kareem is on but school is in full force <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but i'm actually feeling good about the new year um the classes seem fine um the extracurriculars have been good so far um so yeah, I'm excited. Also, this is like a really small thing and a really dumb thing, but I'm super excited about it. But like, I have a family doctor for the first time in my life. And <laughs> it's just like such a positive and like chill relationship. Like I imagine doctors being like very um, aloof, but he gives a kind of like big brother vibe, which I'm really into. So I'm excited. I've been excited about that for the past few weeks. So just thought I'd mention. Open up yourself. <laughs> Doctor, I'm going to the yellow pages. <laughs> not those yellow pages, the other yellow pages. <laughs> sure, I'm sure. Oh, look, you can find Doctor in those yellow pages too. But anyways, um, it's been a regular work week for me. Uh, yeah, just kind of getting stuff together. I mean, it's the new year, so we have to recalibrate and get things in order and meet with um, key donors to make sure everything is aligned with the plans that we made. So, yeah. Nothing out of the ordinary, really, no. But I'm, I'm excited to start back tutoring, at least to tutor constitutional law, because that's my fave of the two that I tutor. So, yeah. And that's going to be in a couple of weeks. So, apart from that, it's regular old me. Okay. Um, sorry, question. I should, have, I should have asked this a while back, actually. I'm not familiar with the, the title of tutor at UWE, and I'm trying, I've been trying to figure out if it means instructor or like section leader person well it just i guess it's an assistant lecturer so um there are the main lectures and then there are seminars or tutorials and so the main the lecturer generally does the main lecture and sometimes tutors fill in but us tutors we have classes where we kind of go in depth in the material um and explain it a bit more so because you know the lecture is everybody in the class 200 students for example um right or 150, but the tutorials are smaller, um, somewhere between 12 and 20 students, so you can get into it more and ensure that they understand the material better. Right. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no problem. So, I'm for a transition. It comes with this, this a bubble of my heart. We're just <laughs> excited. Uh, are you married from for a short? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so, so fish to kids. Oh, my God. So, this is, um, I can't stop smiling because... Today's guest, oh Jesus, must have not pop up. Today's <laughs> guest is the one, the only Diana King. Somebody make some nice noise. Somebody make some <laughs> drum roll. The one, the only Diana King, the world-renowned um, Jamaican-born and raised reggae fusion artist, um, also known to her fans as King Singer. She brought us uh, hits such as Shy Guy, Treat Her Like a Lady, one of my perfect personal faves, my jeans on my t-shirt. Different. Yeah. <laughs> and the heartfelt body of work, um, a girl named King. Um, and not to mention, she is straight out of Jamaica, which I already said, and a real spin on bad girl. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming to the Fish Tea Podcast, Miss Diana King. Yes, I'm a love fish Yes. Thank you, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of the podcast with us, Diana. We really appreciate it. You know, you have a really busy schedule and you smile, pan. Little old us. Right. 
you know, man, I, I was telling before you came on, Zeno, I was telling them that it was it's such a pleasure because this, to me, this is like a historical podcast. Oh, you know? thank you. Is, and I'm really proud of you guys. This is great. <laughs> I couldn't say no. <laughs> Okay. I'm glad we mustered up the, the courage to ask because it was we went back and forth like trying to figure out should we should we really and then Glenroy is like well I could try. Nobody don't know me. We don't know. Nobody don't know me. I only like mission through Twitter, so I don't like know you know you. So chill, man. Like any Jamaican stuff. I'm in. Nice. I mean, also, Glenroy for making the, for reaching out, so. Right. Yeah. Thanks, you know. It's a pleasure. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. using this opportunity to talk about a lot of different things with um, Diana, um, talking about journey, talking about uh, coming out as an artist within the kind of reggae dance hall space and what that was like, and also about, you know, um, navigating those kind of spaces and what's life been like since. It's uh, a nice little neatly packed agenda that will allow us to kind of get in as best as possible into all of those areas. So I'm excited to just sit back and hear um, about your story, Diane. (laughs) Kareem and Cornell are equally as excited. Yes, we are. Okay. Got it. Got it. So lead us off, Cornell. Oh, okay. Sure. Dope. Um, so I guess uh, based on what I've been able to, uh, I guess, pull from some of the other interviews, um, was it, I, I was trying to like figure out the, the, the timeline, but um, when you were around 13 or 14, I think it was, you... You were at Woolmers and then you left, but around this time you also got your first um, like music deal. Is that is that correct? Could you explain to us like how that happened? No, it's not totally correct. Um, I actually, it's a long sad story. I don't know okay. if you want to hear that part. Do you? I mean, as long as you're willing to share, we don't mind. <laughs> well, yes, I was I was a student at Woolmers High School for Girls. Um, I only went up to second form. Um, when I was in first form, I was gang raped. And so that actually led me to become a singer because it was very hard growing up in Spanish town. Um, the way how people deal with um, rape victims, um, blaming the victim, <laughs> all this stuff, getting teased, bullied. And so school life was just not great for me at Woolmers. So I decided mm-hmm. to run away. Um, I didn't have a plan. I I just one day took a bus and ended up in Ochi and was there for a while, just battering around. Um, and one day I ran into this guy I knew who came from a Spanish town like myself and he's he was a part of a band, a band of brothers. And he said, whoa, Diana, what are you doing yourself? I said, oh, I'm just there. And he said, you want to look a female singer, you know? I mean, I used to sing, but I never envisioned myself becoming a singer. And then when he said that to me, I mean, by this time I was living on the streets, like homeless. Mm-hmm. I was 13. And I thought, that sounds better than anything right now. And he told me to come and do an audition. And I went and I got the job. And that's how I started to sing. Really, it was either that or sell my body. So that's how I became a singer. And I sang on, it's an edited version, though. I sang on the North Coast for many years, all over the North Coast. Um, Ochi, Moby, Negril, Kingston. And then I joined a band called City Heat, who became very popular in Jamaica. This is in the 80s. I was born in the 70s. This is in the 80s. And um, when I left that band, I think I was about 19. Um, and then I was asked to sing background vocals for Shaba. And it was while touring with Shaba that I, I was heard, my voice was heard by Sony Music because Shaba was signed to Sony. And Shaba wasn't working. That's my story is a long story, so I'm just going to edit. <laughs> Shaba's, 
So get the Shaba day was great. I got to travel. I mean, Shaba was in his prime. It was just not working out for me, so I quit. Mm. And without even knowing what I was going to do, I've just always been like that. Like if something doesn't sit right with me, I'm going to bounce. And so I was just sitting there. I also loved doing background vocals. So I did a lot of that in the 80s for a lot of different artists. And I was just, I actually resorted to that. Like, okay, I'm just going to do that. Because I loved it. I love singing backgrounds. And I said, okay, this is what's going to happen for me. Because at that time, a voice like mine wasn't very popular in Jamaican music. And so no one wanted to voice me. No one wanted to produce me. No one wanted to work with me. So I decided to just be a background singer. And out of the blue, one day I get a call from Sony saying they heard me on tour with Shaba and they're interested. And I thought it wasn't a joke. I actually hung up on them and they kept calling back. And that's when I got my first deal. I, I was 21, 21. And it took two years after that to release something. So I released my first music to the world at 23 on Sony Music. Oh. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. There's a long story. A lot of details left <laughs> out because, yeah, we'd be here for hours. Um, but that was pretty much what it was. Um, I, my voice wasn't very, very, it, people even said I couldn't sing, you know, but I just kept doing it and finally someone noticed. But that's how I became a singer. I didn't set out to be one, but the more I did it, the more I felt like this is what I was born to do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, um, my apologies for getting the, the story mixed up, but also thank you for okay. being willing to to, to share. Um, and like, we're, we're sorry that um, you went through something like that. I did want to ask, though, because it, it sounds like there was a lot of uh, movement or instability even from um, like leaving high school and then going to Aquarius and then traveling. Um, and I guess I'm wondering like what if any, like what were some of the things that you did or had to like um, maintain a sense of groundedness, I guess, for lack of a better word? Um, definitely the music helped. I mean, people say that a lot with, with art, you know, any type of art, whether it's music or drawing or writing. It definitely helped me to get through. I mean, being so young, I was, I was 13. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't have any other skill. And singing was, you know, you guys know music is like healing, you know? Right. And that helped me a lot to just, Stay grounded and calm. I'm, I'm actually a calm person. I'm very calm. So I'm a bond that way. Just always chill, observing everything. And I also love to talk. <laughs> I love to ask questions. So the first person that I met on the way when I ran away, I just started talk about everything, what happened to me, how I felt. And the more I talk about it, I just that was like my therapy all those years. And talking about what happened to me actually kept me grounded because it didn't stay inside, you know? And just to clarify, so you said you were in your early 20s when you um, got the deal with Sony. Um, mm-hmm. Were you still living in Jamaica at that point or did you like leave? Were you, were you in the States at that point? No, I was, I was living in Kingston. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I got my first studio apartment off of Hope Road, Hillcrest, mm-hmm. Hillcrest Avenue. Um, and yeah, I, was, I, I eventually moved to New York because it was better financial-wise because I was going back and forth, back and forth and spending a lot of time in America working on the album. And so I gave up my apartment in Kingston and I moved to New York to finish the first album. Mm-hmm. But my life is, is, has been like that. Like, I'm very, I don't know if this, this is the right word, but I'm very submissive to life. Mm. You know, whatever happens, I just accept it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is what's up. I accept it and roll with it, whatever it is. I roll with it. Okay, what's next? What's next? So none of 
my life has ever been like a plan. I just roll with it. So it turned out that New York was the best place to be, and I just moved. And I spent like three years living there after the first album. Mm-hmm. Have, yeah, thanks. I have a question around, um, I guess, and if you're willing to share um, your relationship with family at that point, um, once you ran away, and whether or not that relationship had improved. Because um, I, I guess in my mind, I'm wondering, you know, mm-hmm. how, how do you get beyond? Or how do you even get to a point where you and your family have a better relationship since when something traumatic happened, um, kind of support you ought to have gotten you did not get? So I'm, get, and I'm, so I'm wondering um, a little bit about where you and family are um, following that, um, since it was such a big part of you, um, how you, you grew up. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always been a loner. Um, so when I ran away from home, it's like I ran away from everyone and every, everything, meaning my whole family. Um, a loner in a sense of I was adopted, so I grew up as an only child, even though I have a lot of family and a lot of siblings, 10 sisters and five brothers, <laughs> I grew up alone. So my mom was very old school. Like she, she adopted me when she was in her like early seventies, if you can believe that. Oh wow. Yeah. So real old school. So I couldn't even tell her. It's a long story for me, you know, <laughs> I keep saying that, but the, the gang rape is what caused me, led me to run away. But I was actually raped before that by a single man. And so the way my mother reacted to that, you know, things like it's your fault, why did I do? Stuff that still happens mm, today. Yeah. I didn't even tell her about the gang rape because I just knew. I just knew. So from the first one, all my life, I've just been a, always been like an outsider. So I, I got used to doing things on my own and being on my own. And when I ran away, it wasn't as traumatic as some people might feel, you know? Gotcha. I, was, I just know, I just had that free spirit all the time from my normal self. So my mother actually died when I was 17, mm-hmm. my adopted mother. So... Even though I ran away at 13, by, by Marie 17, I was definitely on my own, own, own. And so that's, that's how I've always been. Even now, I'm a solitary person. I have my close-knit friends and my wife and my kids, but that's it. So all the family I have now are chosen. Right. So it, was, it wasn't even any better when I... When I because most, most people who were close to me knew that I was gay. Right. And so that even pushed me further away from, from my family because I, I wasn't accepted. But it was cool because you, you move quicker when you're by yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was okay. It's a part of that submission, you know, to yeah. life. Like, whatever came my way, I just dealt with it. And it is what it is. So it's, it's hard sometimes to explain it to another person because they can't envision that type of mindset. Right. I was just sitting here thinking that, you know, it takes, it has to take some amount of work, which would probably even be another episode for another time. But a yeah, part of a long story. yeah, 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 because no, like a part of what I think we're also looking, well, we've done in the first episode, also looking to do beyond, is to talk about and like how Cornell word phrases it in our intro, like the work that it takes to to live our best lives or to be our best mm-hmm. selves. Um, so I'm just here sitting thinking, like, oh wow, for you to have gone through like so many of those um, traumatic experiences and still. Mm-hmm come out and be who you are and do what you've done and accomplish you um, what you've accomplished. It's like, it's just like a testament to kind of, you know, how people can really and truly um, overcome. And it can happen. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm quote unquote more special than anyone else. But right. I think it's, it's a mindset that I probably was born with because I've always been like that. Where I remember finding out that my mother wasn't my mother in a, a very um, kind of sneaky way from my 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 siblings, and it I didn't feel any way about it. Like most people, a lot of people I know would be like, oh my God, I have all these siblings I didn't know about and why did she give me up? But you know, that, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Right. Like, I was like, oh, cool. I have questions, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so the way how things affect most people, it doesn't affect me like that. I'm, I'm just always grateful, you know? Like even when I look when I look at all the all the things that I just mentioned, for me it's almost like and I say it all the time, like the worst thing can be the best thing. Because right. I wouldn't even know that I I was this type of singer, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't even know. I would have just probably been singing in church or you know. So sometimes it takes really messed up things to lead you to where you need to be and you just have to um keep going and deal with it i think for me it's because i was open about it like i'm i'm like i don't i don't hide things Mm -hmm. so from the get-go i was talking about what happened to me especially because nothing was done nothing was done about it by the authorities or anyone, no counseling, nothing. So I said I would just wherever I go I would share it and I find mm-hmm. I found that there were so many women who could relate. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like oh this I'm the only one that this happened to. So that really helped me and I, I recommend it. For people who go through stuff to release it from inside you, you know, because it's, it's heavy, it's too heavy, <laughs> you won't fly. Right. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Mm-hmm. If it's on the same topic, you go ahead. No, I mean, I, it was a question, but it was like shifting things slightly. But like, you can you can go first. Oh, no, I guess, um, because she had. Uh-oh. Can you hear my daughter? <laughs> she just refused to sleep. <laughs> I, so, um, because you had mentioned that everyone around you had kn- known you were queer, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of wanted to have an understanding of what age we were talking about and then how, how you were, so oh. how balance dealing with everything else and kind of working through the fact that you were queer as well. That's where okay. I was going. Yeah, I needed to clarify that because everyone, by the time I was like 25. (laughs) Yeah. So what I didn't tell you about the gang rape was it was a gang rape to fix me. Mm. And so I was 11 or 12 at the time. And I think it's it's weird. It's a weird type of thing that um, I didn't remember a lot of the details until I came out. Mm. It's like it was like, all these memories came back. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That was me like seeing the whole thing. And I don't even know. I mean, I guess your, your, your mind does that. It, it, was, it was almost like I didn't have time to deal with that, you know? Like, I'm not a time to deal with this right now. Some of me just cut it off. And so I think from that on, I just wanted to to be normal and so I denied myself for for many years and little by little I started to to remember myself and so I did not accept I did not accept who I was until I was about I was actually married married to a guy my my son's dad Mm -hmm. it was when I was married that I started to really allow myself to you know to to process all, all, all the stuff I was feeling and, and being honest with myself. Mm. And um, I think I finally accepted it about when I was 20, 27. Yeah. So, and the thing with me is if 
once I I acknowledge something and I accept it, it is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And so by that time, by my second album, I, I knew who I was. I knew. And I just, from then, I just started to work on myself, just becoming, because authenticity was always a big thing for me, being myself, whatever that is, at any time. And it took me a, it took me a long time to say it. Because the brainwash is real, you know. Oh, speak on it. <laughs> the brainwash is real. And so I had, I had to do a lot of digging and searching within myself to say, oh, man, it's, this is, I even had homophobic moments with other people. That's mm. how deep the brainwash is. And, and, and I internalized homophobia? Or? Internalized homophobia. Yeah, but because I'm, I'm such a student, like, I'm, I am my... my Jesus, like I, I want to learn. You know, I want to learn. Like, why do you feel this way? Why did you do that? Why did you embarrass this girl? And you don't know, so you like her. It was, it was so. That was like so automatic for me because I thought someone saw me. You know, and you should I hear the words that come out of my mouth? I'm like, oh my god, really, really, Diana? Mm-hmm. I have to sit with that and figure out why, why did I do that? And the brainwash is real, and so it just took a while. Right. Um, I do want to just in, include, so you were saying earlier um, about how sharing your, um, talking about some of your experiences, it was also about um, like letting other people know that they aren't alone or like maybe showcasing how common this, this issue is um, in, in Jamaica. And I just wanted to flag really quickly that um, your story reminds me of uh, I don't know if I don't know if um, anyone if, if anyone knows, but uh, Stacey Chin, who's a really popular uh, Jamaican poet, also mm-hmm. has a similar story about yeah, that's me. my good friend. Oh okay. Oh yeah. okay. <coughs> Sorry guys, I have this um, sinus thing I'm dealing with. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So Stacey shares or has shared, uh, you know, her story about the fact that she was assaulted on the university. Mm-hmm. Um, by men, um, and yeah. so there's a point about uh, uh, sexual assault and and and, uh, and but I, I also want to make a point too about. So I think in previous episodes we've talked about the kinds of violence uh, that uh, queer men um, experience when we're younger, but I think mm-hmm. it's important for us to take note of the specific ways that manifest for. For queer women, so for queer women, you know, it's like verbal. Sorry, for queer men, it might be verbal, verbal assault or being beaten up. But the ways that people enact violence on queer women through right. the idea of rape, like, it is something I think we need to pay more attention to. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> music. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Omar. She's nonverbal autistic. Okay. Where were we? Cornell was flagging um, just the experiences of women facing sexual violence. Uh, yeah. Particularly queer women, and in the same way, punches and and kicks can fix queer men. Uh, so yeah. Um, a, a lot of that. Not me. Like I was because I was always queer. <laughs> Back in the sense, it's queer was anything that didn't add up to society's norms. Right. I was always queer. So I was attracted to other queer people. And so I had this friend who would ride me on her bike to visit my siblings and my birth mother. And she'd come pick me up in Spanish Town and ride me on the bike handle. And she looked like a man. And so one day... And she would come by, you know, just to eat me up and just my, my, my sister in. One day, like for days, I, I didn't see her. I'm wondering where she is. And she was like, she was, she was raped so bad, they had to take her to our room. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, it just, <laughs> that shit still happens. Yeah. I don't know if I can curse. I can curse. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, it still happens. And I remember all these things when I, when I started to, you know, push myself to figure out what was going on with me because I realized that there was a blockage somewhere. I'm young. And my mind, it just said, yo, you need to forget all of this shit and 
straighten up and fly right, you know? And that's what I did for many years. But it doesn't it didn't add up with my desire to be authentic. Because I was authentic in every other area except this one thing, you know? Which leads to the reason why I came out. You know? What I wanted to ask. I've never told these stories, you know, guys. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I don't do interviews is because they're just too. Like, um, interviews like oh. who I met, where, you know, just very surface. Yeah. Like, fuck it. <laughs> Stop. Well, I mean, thank you for feeling like being comfortable enough to be real with us about this stuff. Like, it's, it's about us. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's about us and it's important. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to ask, um, um, was like the notion of, yeah, straighten up and yeah, flat, was that a part of, um, kind of led your career in the first, like your, doing for your first second album? Um, not necessarily. It's just, because I, I was, I've always been myself. I just never said the words or, okay. or just accept it. So it's actually one of the reasons why I wouldn't say it was conscious, but I got very kind of turned off from music um, after after my third album. I just like I can't because you can't you can't be yourself. Right. I can't be myself totally. I mean, and it's, it was a, a progression, you know? Like, I remember, if you, if you look at my very first video, my first Shy Guy video in the black and white pinstripe suit, right. like, that was me. <laughs> that was me. But it was such a, it was such a battle to just be myself. And, and that's very important to me, for my soul, just to, to that's, I made one promise to myself when I ran away that I would not do anything that didn't feel right with my soul. Mm. And so the more I was in there, it's, I mean, I, I love music. I love singing, but I don't love the music business. And I'm cool with that. So there's a lot of acting, you know? I was going to say, it's good that you can distinguish that, um, the music from the music industry, because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of um, combine both and end up like forfeiting what it is, doing what it is that they actually truly love. So, yeah. And so, and giving us our lives and giving us, um, you know, these records, mm-hmm. even though you weren't quite in love with the industry and all the shenanigans. Yeah. So what was cool was I was allowed to be myself musically. Mm-hmm. That was that was really cool. And I think for a while that was enough because, I mean, originally no one liked my, my fusion style in Jamaica. You know, it was either or either. It was either you sing and as a matter of fact, your voice too pretty. Kind of tone it down. Mm. Or, or you're a DJ. You know, like a lady saw, or you know, okay, is either or either. So when when I when I did my first demo for for Sony and they loved it, I was like, yes, because I've heard stories from artists um, about that, like just being totally told what to sing and how to sound by the label, by the record label. So when I know, I realized that that wasn't happening for me. And they actually love my style. That felt really good. But they didn't necessarily want me to be myself. You know what I mean? And so over the years, I just, I felt kind of, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep keep doing it. So after my third third album, the one with Summer Breeze and with Bounty right. Killer, um, I just kind of like, okay, I'm really grateful for my career so far. And fortunately for me, my music was was so international that it, it, it was sustaining me, right. you know? It still does. <laughs> um, and I was really thankful for that. And so I just said, you know what? This is my decision because some artists can do it. Some artists can be that, that type of artist who just do anything for them career. And 
I have no judgment for them. That's just what am I do? But I just couldn't do it. And so I decided to become independent. And um, yeah, that was that was 10 years ago. Do my own booking, everything, management from my own company. And so far, it's, it's worked out. I'm happy. I just, I just had to just be my full, authentic self. And I did it. And it just got better because shortly after that, I came out. And that was the one thing that I hid. And I wouldn't even say hid. I just, I went through this phase where I thought that nobody needs to know my business, you know? <laughs> and then it just started to not make no sense. Mm-hmm. And what really helped me, I, I had a lot of reasons, legitimate reasons. I had two kids and I didn't want, I didn't want to mess up their lives with teasing and additional bullying and all types of stuff because of my life, you know? I thought of that a lot. And I guess it's, it's a sacrifice I made for them. So as soon as my son turned 18, like, all right. <laughs> and I've been coming to Jamaica a lot because I had a girlfriend who lives in Jamaica. And she would take me to the parties, the private parties. And I remember the first one I went and when I walked up in there, everybody was like, oh, my God, Diana King. And just, damn, if anybody know this, I can't believe this. And every time I went to a party, that's 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 what would happen. Really? Like sincerely, like oh my god, then if, if if people don't know this, it would it it might change something, you know? It uh-huh. was like a plea, like because it's, it's never really there has never been a, a music artist from Jamaica who ever came out. Mm. The business is very male dominated and homophobic, and so every time I go a party. That's what I would hear. Like, I would feel it. And that was another motivation to just, or rather, like, it felt like a duty, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, come what may. And I was at that point when I came out, like, I'm going to care enough. I'm going to care. Well, I'm glad you did because I can honestly say that um, <laughs> you coming out, um, so I've always attributed the relationship that I have with my mom um, as a queer man to celebrities who have, um, who have come out. And f- for her, it was like Ellen DeGeneres, right? Because she was living here at the time. She saw Ellen every day on TV. She mm-hmm. loved her. And, um, and then when you came out, I, did, I came out the, year, the following year in 2013, mm-hmm. um, when you came out, she brought it to my attention oh. and I was like, I mean, I, by this time we, we, she knew, mm-hmm. but it wasn't one of those things where I could go and say, mom, this boy did this to me, or I feel like about this boy, or I'm going on a date. Normally I'd have to disguise what I'm doing. Like I'm going out with some friends mm-hmm. from work. Um, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going on a date. And it was, um after you came out that it kind of gave me, cause now I had like a Jamaican example, right? Yeah. Like you knew about others, sure that you um, met in circles and so on, but now I had a Jamaican example mm-hmm. of a queer person and I didn't necessarily need to, to, to resort to using Ellen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it was powerful, especially where, um, I know Cornell had some, like in your letter, where you started um, saying stuff like we are everywhere and every and everyone, whether you acknowledge us or not, yeah. we are people you love and cannot live without and so on and so forth. And for me, it was just like, I'm that we, that's who she's talking about. Like, this is, this is me. And then I started feeling the need to kind of use, now that I was living here, right. Mm-hmm. And people were starting to see me. Um, I felt like that same sense of duty to come out as well. Cause I have all these people that, look up to me in some ways and to respect me in some ways i need to show them that if they can love me then they can love the other gay person the other lesbian person or queens that exist and so on and so forth and so i started i started feeling that um that kind of that need to be visible so i just want to say a person thank you from me to you for, for other people on behalf of other people like me who finally had an example of a Jamaican queer person who was out and walking authentically in their truth and kind of allowed me to do the same. So thank you for that. Wow. Thank you. 
beer, cold bomb, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank so, you. sorry, I got cut out for a bit, so I do apologize if oh, uh. responded to this. But um, since we're on the topic of coming out and Karim brought up the letter, I did have, I guess, like, I'm, let's say, yeah, two questions that I wanted to, to, to ask. Um, so I have the letter here. So I'm just going to, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to read like a quick, like, excerpt. Well, mm-hmm. maybe two minutes. We'll see. Um, so you begin by saying, my name is Diana Eugenia King, known to most as Diana King. My fans call me King Singer. I am a woman, mother, aunt, Jamaican, American, international artist, singer, songwriter, band leader, friend, lover, entrepreneur, goddess, among other things. And yes, I am a lesbian, the answer to my most indirect question. And when I read that, uh, I had a flashback to a reading I did a while back for school. So in um, a lot of Audre Lorde's writing, she makes it a point to talk about the different aspects of our of her identity and so she always makes a point to say you know i am a black lesbian uh poet warrior mm-hmm. mother um and i mean the one of the things that we, we 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 talk about in class is like why she found it necessary to name those things and so i guess i'm asking like why was it important to you um to also include these these others like at that particular moment in that kind of way um mm-hmm in addition to, to coming out as as a lesbian. I, I mean, and then, you know, this is a kind of like the part two to the question, perhaps, but I also thought it was interesting that it was, that you put out the letter in during Pride Month. And so I wanted to ask if there was any particular, if you were feeling inspired or if it was just like, what what, what happened at, around that particular moment that led to that letter? Well, yes, I think I was. I was feeling inspired. I always feel like, like superhero in june in america <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's just me but i was oh, definitely like, not from, just you <laughs> yeah from the first from the first fright i ever went to um back in i think i think the first part i went to was 2002 and i was like oh my god new york pride and so it kind of the last person i didn't care about anyone but my family my immediate family. And so, like I mentioned earlier, my son, who's the youngest, um, I went to him and I said, you know, son, I want to, I'm, I'm thinking I'm coming out to him, right? And he is like, mom, please. My teacher just went to New York and married her lover. Well, excuse me. And I'm like, exactly, excuse, well, box me number six. And so, he was a, the, the only person I was concerned about, you know, because my, my daughter is an adult long time. And I had my daughter when I was 16. So, you know, I cared about him. And when he, he gave me the green light, it just turned out to be June. And so um, I just can't, I just had to, you know, it was like one of the, the most, I've never been so nervous in my life about anything like but it felt so right and I was so I don't know what would happen but I was when you I think when anyone comes out like that or in in any way if if they've reached a point of I don't give a fuck Mm -hmm. I don't care if I never get booked for another show I just don't care right and so that's how I felt so I, I felt like really courageous and then the other I feel like, oh my God, my life done, <laughs> you know? But I just had to. And so I think going back to, I don't, I don't want to forget what you asked me, but um, I think I, 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 I read off all of those things because people think uh, uh, LGBTQI person that, they, that we have a look, you know? Right. Or we have a type. I think for me, I started with that because even though it's 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 an important part, it's not the only part, you right. know? And it's like you're all these things and nothing, you know? You're all these things, but no, no one, no, not, no one thing defines you. Right. So for me, I started with that because I wanted whoever's reading to, to, to feel, to understand that 
a lesbian can be anyone. Mm-hmm. A gay person can be anyone. Just just like I said in the end, we're like we're everywhere and we're everyone. Right. And we do everything, and it's just you should know that. You know the, the people, the people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was reading? You should know this. Right. Because like coming from a very a culture that's very ignorant about LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. I I always find myself schooling um, others uh, about my about myself, right. you know, and I just think that's important. I think that's why Audrey Lord did it too, just to say I'm not just this one thing, you know. I'm all these things, mm-hmm. and just as important as anyone else, and just as valid and worthy as anyone else, just as important and needed and necessary in life. I mean, I have a Oh man, I didn't even tell you. Like, like I, the person, the woman who adopted me. It's, it's, it's when I was like a few years ago that I realized that oh my god, she adopted me and she lived with, with her best friend for since they were twenty five. Aunt Vi, I just figured it out. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like it totally went over my head. <laughs> And I remember when she was dying, she kept saying, Mwangom to Avai. It just never, it never clicked. Mwangom to Avai. Aunt Vai died a year before. Mm-hmm. And then Mama died when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Like, that's some type of love. Like, you just want dead to. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And they were in, Avai was in her eight or 90s, and Mama died in her 80s. Like, and so that type of stuff just kind of motivate me, you know? Because mm. they couldn't be themselves. They were like separate. They, they couldn't live together. But I mean, if anyone knew, I can't even imagine. Right. Especially back then, too. Especially in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. So true. I have a question. Man, I don't know what I'm a business, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's about the impact of the world, uh, and Karim has also talked about like the personal impact for a lot of us in the community who heard it and who read mm-hmm. it. Um, I guess I'm also asking about by then you had had your own, you know, company and you were managing your career yourself. But did it affect your ability um, to kind of work through the music industry and work with others after? That? It definitely did, but I think I think coming out changed me a lot as well. Because I was no longer, I no longer wanted to work with people who were homophobic, you know, like obviously homophobic. Mm-hmm. So I gave up a lot and I'm, I actually make a point, like if I'm, if I'm about to work with someone, because it's possible that someone may not have heard or known or know, I'll just tell you up front. This is what it is. If you, if you feel any type of way, we'll kind of do this. And initially, I lost a lot of, I remember I was supposed to be on this um, big concert, I think it's yearly, at the O2 in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's a big reggae festival. And immediately I was canceled. But the good thing, the thing I'm, I'm always grateful for is because my music, when it first came out, it went so wide and far. I most places don't care, you know? Most places don't care. So I, I, I lost some, but in the grand scheme of things, not really. It's totally different than what I expected. Like I, I really expected the worst. And even with the comments, there was like only a few that were negative. Yeah. I was shocked, you know? And it just, it, it really more changed me. Like now, like... I'm more comfortable, I'm more ease, I'm I'm happy with, with with the things that I do and because I know that there's a level of comfort and, and I'm able to just be my best self all the time. I'm just curious, without naming names, did um did any like particular dancer or regular artist like reach out after you came out to with words of encouragement, um, or even words of I guess hate or just like condemning what you did. No words, no dancehall artists. Okay. No, no, them not gonna do that. Guys, them no one about to hear that. 
Yeah, but I did Stella Marley. Okay. I thought that was really cool. You know, she was like, yo, be yourself. You know, hats off to you. Really proud of you. Just do your thing. But I don't know. I mean, if you ask me, you can't hate me. Right. With the dancehall artists, them, but them nago, the the male dancehall artists, mm-hmm. them nago, reach out and say nothing. Them all, they always stay in their character, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because God forbid, somebody go see her or I'm gonna say something. Cause I know more than that boss find them right now. Right. <laughs> and yeah, but the negative, yes. Even one day I heard Bounce Killer talking. We have a song together, and him, and him, him sure snippet of the song. You know, he he did a a post. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just post the thing. Everybody loves summer breeze, and just post the tune. Why? I'm embarrassed, Jamaican. Embarrassed the culture. Oh, like, God. why you need to say that? I mean, we have a song. We have a wicked song. People love the song. And just if you're not nothing to say, just don't say nothing. Post your post and. Because the fact is, the song still exists. You still are call it royalties. You know, why the negativity? Send back your money then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the <Yeah>. idiot. <laughs> See him so. Don't catch it because I think they're most On that, I would not hear your opinion on the current state of dance slash reggae music. Um, do you think it's more or less homophobic than when you just started? The industry? Well, I guess well, the industry as well as like the kind of music that they're putting out as well. Um, I mean, I haven't heard, I haven't heard any, any, any songs that are blatant as back in the day. You know, like how you'd have the Shaba, the Shaba Chunem or the Bojo or I haven't heard anything that blatant because of course, you know, people, them of them interpreters, you know, and if it would be wise not to say any crap like that, mm. if you want to become anybody out in the world, but um, it's it's still there, it's still there, yeah. unless a, unless a person come to me and say point blank like word for like them the care and da da da. It's still there. You feel it. I mean, we know how it feels, you know, and trying to talk in code. You know, you you, you step into somewhere and somebody just start bonfire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's still there. I mean, Queen Africa, I was a bonfire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still there. It's kind of like... I think there has been, there is change, but I'm not sure what. I won't pretend that I know why. You know what I mean? It could be just because of what happened with Bojo. You know, people just get more careful. And also, I haven't been in Jamaica for a long time, so I don't have the first-hand experiences. But, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if you're, you've been watching if you saw the last thing that I posted and the wheel them, do you admit? Oh my God. I mean, let's give a quick 99, recap. 99% of the, 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 the comments were Dr. Sadamite, Gyaga, fuck your mother. So you know? um, the cartel thing, right? Yeah. And so it's a deep thing. Don't me. Mm-hmm. Them know some bad thing. <laughs> but that's their that's the lowest of the low insults. Still. Mm-hmm. You know? It's always about your sexuality. You suck your gal. Like, come on. So that speaks to me. That speaks. You know? And also nobody I'm I'm done a song with anybody, collaborated, because I don't think I want to be associated with that. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I've been doing a song with a old lesbian Jamaican artist. Them, 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 them
So over the last two Pride celebrations, we've had, uh, I guess, a total of four dancehall artists perform at our, our premier Pride event. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, so we had showed it, like, Dangel, Tifa, Jenny, uh, and Aisha. Jenny. Yeah. Would you, would you consider, I'm putting you on the spot, but I mean. Right. <laughs> Knowing like to see that they were willing to perform for um, open at an open queer pride event, Jamaica. Um, consider like working with artists like though, if the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, and and I I actually I think it's more with the male, you know. Like I'm not surprised that you had all female who were willing to do it. You know, I've always thought that the fem- the, the the females dancehall artists are more open, more whatever the word is. I don't usually like to use tolerant. <laughs> but um Yeah, they're more they're more aware. And I like I like a few of those artists. Tifa. I like Tifa. But the the it's a far way to go for the male dancehall artists. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a far way. So as we kind of transition to the last section of our discussion, um, we'd love to hear about some. You're a timekeeper. Something like that. Oh, I say we'd love to hear uh, about some of your upcoming work. <clears throat> oh, well, I, I mentioned earlier that my life has been like a, I didn't I, I don't plan anything. Every time I've actually planned something, the universe just wipes it out. Mm. So I've been, for the past three, three, four years, I've actually been staying at home more because this is another story. Um, my daughter is, actually, the baby that you keep hearing, mm-hmm. she's actually my granddaughter, but I adopted her. Okay. My, my daughter is ill. She, um, well... That's the official thing. And she's she's like a she's like me. Like me still love Rome, um, gypsy type of person. <laughs> but she's also schizophrenic. Okay. And she know how to damage. I'm a car force owner. But she's an adult. Mm-hmm. So I was on I was coming from your um Asia, me and my wife. We just got two month tour and we're in India for the last month and, you know, do their vibe and working and work and play, work and play. And I got this phone call that I'm a grandmother. I'm like, what? Cause, because my daughter's a Roma, sometimes I don't <laughs> even know where she is. She'll call me. She keeps in touch, but she's just, she loves to travel. And she found herself incarcerated and pregnant. And they're like, Ma'am, uh, we're happy to inform you that your grandmother, when are you coming for the baby? Because your daughter is incarcerated and we're in Asia. And I'm telling you this story because that wasn't my plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was celebrating um, Diwali. Ooh, I'm free. I can do anything I want. No, you know, no kids. And then the universe just said, uh, stick up in. You have to take care of this baby. Mm. And so that's what I've been doing for the past three, four years. She's four. I, I officially got her when she was two months. And she's, she has special needs. She's nonverbal autistic. So I won't get into that, but it's a lot of work. Mm. A lot of work just being there and caring for her. And I think the one thing I, that the one baggage I, I, I have from my past is trust mm-hmm. that I just can't trust nobody with her. Mm. So until I do, I'm just going to take care of her and live off of her royalties. <laughs> Thankfully, you did all that work up. up front. That's what's up. And actually, this year I've been feeling a little itch. So I may release something, but it's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to be 50 this year. Any big plans to celebrate the 50? Or it's just another year to you? I think that, you know how when you used to hear people say, oh, when you turn 40, you're not caring enough. Mm-hmm. You're not caring about nothing. It's so true. 
<laughs> and it's even worse when you turn 50. Oh, no. I just don't give a crap. I do what I want. So I may decide to release something, but I don't need to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because and I said this all the time. I said, I don't want the same thing. Like, like we all want things. Right. You know? I don't need to be in the limelight. I need to sing, but it doesn't have to be in the limelight. I don't have to be on the chat. You know, I, I didn't like that part of it. I didn't like that part, having to always be on, you know? Okay. So I like to know where if I want to do something, I'll do it and I'll release it. And the stuff I did before, the stuff I did in the past have been great to me. You know, every year someone you do a shy guy, you know? So, like that one song alone, uh-huh. I'm going to have to work again. No, Shy Guy was a thing. Mm-hmm. It still is a thing. That one like... song there. Oh, yeah. the, I mean, like, oh, my God, so lucky, man. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody knows the Anna King, somebody knows Shy Guy. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny because when people want to, when people try to insult me, they'll say things like that. Yo, yeah, you want it. I'm like, yo, actually, you don't even know. <laughs> but, but tell you, man, that song is like i don't know it's like blessing is too is not even good enough word mm-hmm. and people do a shy guy people do a live look at celine dion do you know, treat her like a lady like it's so that i'm just really fortunate to have written those songs and people love them so much that they keep sampling them doing them over it's almost like me just did a song, Karim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm really grateful about that. I must thank you for that song, Shaga, in particular. I actually like Shaga. So the song is my Yeah, I was, I was wondering if you were a fan at all, you know. But like, hmm. <laughs> then I, I don't even know, you know. Yeah, but I mean, is a big fan. I'm like, so I'm I say, look, a prayer for you. Your version mm, of the mm. I'm wish me to write that. I must say, but, <laughs> but everywhere goes your version of say, a little prayer for you that I hear. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. It, that was huge. Like, that sorry was huge. to Miss Aretha, but... Yeah, man, that was huge. And lies. La, 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 lies. Mm-hmm. That was huge. I can't tell you how many times I've been to Yeah. A little prayer, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cute. And then Dana can come, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. 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 Thank you. Like it, it means it means a lot. It means honestly, it means a lot. And yeah. I know for me, I'm just trying to like sit and be still and get through this podcast. <laughs> but once it come on, nobody can tell me nothing because <laughs> me talk to Dana King, Dana King, you know my name. <laughs> oh my God! So nah, first of all, I'm Dana King. I do interview. Hello, and she interview with the Batman name. Nobody me. Yes, and my Batman. So like, I remember when you. Wait, wait. Say that again. I thought I was saying to my wife, I'm, I'm going to stop. I was joking, but I was telling her about this interview, and I said, I said, what's well, start on a podcast, you know? Sadamite Supreme. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> I was joking, though. I'm like, oh, my God. Sadamite Supreme. That's mm. a buzz already. I think that- Don't you? I'm gonna copyright it. I'm gonna copyright it. Right, right. It's all about the publishing. Yeah, man. But this is something. I mean, um, you mentioned Stacey and Chin, and she was such a big part of my journey coming out because she was the first out person, out Jamaican mm-hmm. lesbian I've, I've met, I've ever met. So when we meet her, I may just start my journey. Like, more on be like, more on be like Chin, more on be like her. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. We're hoping to get her on the show as well. Um, I know Cornell. Ooh, see the Cornell? Yeah. Um, if you can't put in a good word for it, that would be nice. I would love to have her and Zuri because I, I love watching her and Zuri's yeah. um, living room protest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, the, um, the, those things like your, like this, mm-hmm. it's like it's for the 
this generation and the next one, you know, like right. my yeah. when was in my twenties and it took me almost twenty years, you know? Nice. Like you just never know who you're going to touch, you know? And it's so necessary. There's nothing like this. Fifty, oh God. <laughs> I love and it. up and coming Sanamite Supreme, whatever format it takes, we'll be here living for it. Um, oh and we will God. be here. <laughs> oh my God, Diana, I cannot tell you how grateful we are to have you on here to be able to sit down and parlay and mm-hmm. and, and and let our bearings and and sip some fish tea with you. It has been yes a wonderful experience and please know that you are may a big we hope that you'll see it fit to join us again um, whether it is to just mm-hmm. catch up to talk about upcoming projects whenever you feel like mm-hmm. it please let us know um definitely. because definitely we have learned a lot and i'm sure um as we sit and unpack this episode we will we'll start to have a newfound appreciation for you and for your work, for your artistry, for who you are as an individual and how you've impacted us all our lives. Um, so honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, we want to say a big thank you um, for joining us and our little, um, for having the baby in the background. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's... I don't know, she just... Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I also want to add to thank you so much for being so open about so many things about your life with us, especially. I really appreciate that. As I second that. I, it's 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 a pleasure. It's unomafital. Yes. Um, you know these. That's another reason why I'm out of 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 the business because they don't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear these things. Mm-hmm. You know. You do an interview. It's not like now. You do an interview, and when you listen or you read it, everything cut off. Right. It's like, who is this person? Oh, I like sex. I'm making like <laughs> sex. I didn't say that. Right. <laughs> like, what about the, the shit over with talk about? Mm. You know? So we yeah, have we to pride do ourselves for each other, you know? For sure. We pride ourselves on being able to do that here. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, just do your own shit. This is, like, such a great time to be alive. Yeah. Thank you, you know. Get the love of my Right. As our days Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are privileged and we can't thank you enough. Um, I owe the clothes and go again. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm a fun girl. I don't remember anything. I'm a fun girl. <laughs> um, so as usual, Sophisticus, thank you for joining us for another week. Thank you for um, spending your much appreciated time with us. Let us please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Follow us on all social media channels at Fish Tea Podcast. Um, send us your feedback. We continue. We love to continue hearing them. Email us at fishteapodcast at gmail.com if you have anything that you'd like to see happening, if you have any recommendations or just any feedback that you'd like to share. And as usual, like, right? Stay, <laughs> stay sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs>